0: I to thank Brian. That was his first time up here to lead. And so, uh, so we're excited just how God has brought him to help out with our team. And so be sure to thank him today also for using his gifts. Uh, we, this is our last Sunday in the book of Jude. So we were going to do four weeks. We ended up doing three weeks. And so not only is it last Sunday in Jude, it's my last Sunday to preach before going on sabbatical, and and so I love I love this message. I love the Book of Jude. It is simple, and yet there is, there is a lot that is there. So just so you know, so I wrote, I wrote two intros and, and then um, so we're using my second intro because <laughs> I realized we had so much going on today that uh, using a little bit shorter one. So if Brady is here, we will get to the Bible quickly. It was funny when we were in the baptismal class. I, mean, I don't think I've ever had anyone say, man, we, we just didn't know if you were going to preach the word. And uh, yeah, that was the first thing he said in the class. And so uh, that, was, that was exciting. Um, Judah's written this letter. Because false teachers have crept into the church. They're leading people away from the truth of the gospel. And so this letter, it's written, it's a means of awakening the church and and it's to the danger that's there, that's in the church. Not outside the church, but in the church. And it's an encouragement. Stand firm in the truth of the purity of the gospel. And one thing that we've said here many, many, many times, and especially as we were in the book of Hebrews, we said, Salvation is not merely an event, but it is a transformation. You've been saved to live a new life in Jesus. So what we saw here in the waters of baptism is when someone comes up out of the water, it's not, that's it. But They've now been saved, and they're now a new creation. Christ is in them, that Christ is working through them, that everything they do now would be empowered and strengthened by Christ, so they are now new creations. And so Jude, he wants us to understand this new life that we have through the words of contend for the faith. And the word contend means to fight. It means to struggle. It means to make this strenuous, labored effort. And what we will see all throughout the New Testament, and even here, is that our fight, our contending, is not against people, but it's against sin. It's a fight against sin so that we would stay in the gospel and others would be saved from judgment. So here's the main point this morning. Keep Living the Christian life because God promises to keep you in the faith. That's what we're going to see. Keep living the Christian life because God promises to keep you in the faith. So I'm going to go ahead and invite you to stand with us as we read through our text this morning. This will be Jude verses 17 through 25. We stand here at the reading of God's word each and every week because this Bible is unlike any other Bible or any other word, any other book. This is the inspired word of God that we would be equipped for every good work that he calls us to do. Verse 17, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, There will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we We thank you this morning that we can gather here, and Lord, I pray that this doxology that we read at the end of this passage is the song of our heart, that we realize our salvation is is completely and absolutely by your grace, and that you have saved us and that you will keep us. Lord, help us to understand this truth. Help us to know this truth. Help us to embrace this truth. And may our hearts be filled with joy this morning. In your name, Jesus, amen. Uh, now, real quick, we are going to go through the homework that you've had. As you all know, we are, we are memorizing Jude verses 24 and 25. Uh, so, you know, we'll do it together as a group. All right, so we'll read it. And then we're going to go through it from memory. Sounds good? Robert's ready. I know, man, he was like going at it last week. I quizzed my kids on it. They're going to be coming up individually to say it this week. So uh, we'll also call out a few other people by name. Uh, But we'll start. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. All right, who's up? Who's ready? All right, we'll do it as a group first. All right, here we go. All right, you ready? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever amen some of you weren't talking all right we'll just start up here at the front work our way around Surely we got someone who wants to come do it. Surely we have someone who's going to do it. Steve, was that your hand going up? <laughs> All right, who's going to be our lucky participant? My wife is now going to come up. All right, here we go, man. You just got saved. This is Caleb Dickinson. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Awesome. That was good. That was good. One more. We're not going to have the kids show up the adults, are we? Raymond's going to do it. Raymond and Robert, can we do a speed round? Uh, Who can say it fastest? (laughs) (laughs) You guys want to both come up? All right. This will be the the Raymond-Robert duo. All right. Now, you guys got to hold it. Yeah, here here you go. Now, lean in. Both of us. Here we go. Someone picture this, please. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 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 Or, as the Amber Alerts, um, I want to encourage you. We, we memorize Scripture. Uh, memorizing Scripture is good. It is the, the the putting the Word of God in our souls. This is what Jesus said uh, in Mark chapter two in Matthew chapter four, where man does not eat on bread alone, but by the word of God. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, we're going to jump in and we don't have a lot of time. So I like to talk fast. So I'll probably talk fast today. Uh, we got three points. We're going to make it through. Uh, we're going to look at the practice of the Christian, the promise to the Christian and the praise of the Christian. So practice of the Christian, promise To the Christian, praise of the Christian, all under contend for the faith. Practice of the Christian. The main verb in verses 20 and 21 is to keep. That's the main verb. Jude commands us to keep ourselves in the love of God. Now, this makes complete and absolute sense when we're in a book and he's warning us about false teachers who are in the church who are luring us away from the truth of the gospel. They're sort of leading us to to false beliefs, and he says, "Keep yourself in the faith. Don't follow after. Don't follow after false teachers. Don't be deceived by the charms of this world. Keep yourself in the love of God." So that's the command you and I have. You are a believer. You are called by God through the inspiration of His Spirit through Jude to keep yourselves in the love of God. So how do we do that? Number one build yourself up in the faith. We see that verse 20. Building yourself up in the most holy faith. Now, many of you are familiar with the passage 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 where it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped uh, may be complete equipped for every good work. All throughout the Bible, we see that God's people are commanded to know his word, to read his word, to love his word, to meditate on his word. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, is all about the beauty, the necessity of understanding God's word. From cover to cover, God's word is the means in which you and I, as Christians, we live a godly life. But what's interesting, and I just encourage you, your homework today is to go read 2 Timothy 3. So that's your homework, because do you know what the context of that passage is? The context is false teachers. Paul's warning the church against false teachers who creep themselves into people's houses and lead them away from the truth of the gospel. So then at the end of this warning of false teachers, he's turning to Timothy and encouraging him, stay in the Word. The means which you will resist false teaching, the means in which you will know, recognize, and move away from false teaching is by the Word of God. Reading and obeying God's Word is how our faith is strengthened. I want to encourage you every day, let your soul feast upon God's Word. Too often, we easily try to satisfy ourselves with worldly desires and lusts, and that only leaves us weak and vulnerable to false teaching. I want to encourage you every time you sit and you read God's Word, you're adding bricks to your faith. And, you're, and the Word is what grows your faith like a giant, impenetrable wall protecting you from the lies and deceptions of the world. So I want to encourage you be in the world. One of the ways we keep ourselves in the love of God is by remaining in the Word of God. Number two, we pray in the Spirit. We see that in verse 20 as well. We have absolute confidence that when we pray, God hears. Do you know that? I mean, I encourage you, go through the book of Psalm and just mark every time the psalmist says, he prays, he cries out, anything like that, and then notice how many times it says, and God heard me. One of them, one of my favorites, Psalm 3, 4. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. So just, just think about that. I'm here on earth, and he's saying, I cried out, and God, in heaven, on his holy hill, way up there, in his perfect majesty, dominion, and authority. He heard my prayer, and he answers our prayer. And, and the good news is, you Don't need to know always what you're going to say when you come to God. Do you know that? It's okay to come messy. It's okay to come confused. It's okay coming with your hands up and saying, God, I just need help. This is what Romans 8 says. Paul says, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So listen, you can come every day, every time, to God in prayer, knowing that you might not say it right, you might not know what to say, but you can say, not my will, but your will be done. And he knows exactly what you need. Prayer is one of the most important things that we can do, and it is a true demonstration of our faith because every time we pray, we're saying, I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your comfort. I'm not sufficient, but you are sufficient. Number three, wait for the mercy of Jesus. That's what we see. It says, just like a runner keeps his eye on the finish line, so we are to keep our eyes on Jesus waiting for his merciful return. We read that in verse 21. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. All throughout the New Testament, we see we are called to to look toward the return of Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, we see this. Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.25. I had to throw in Hebrews, right? We spent a year in Hebrews. We're never going to be done with Hebrews. Gary made sure of that this morning, so we're just going to keep going on with it. Hebrews 10.25. Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. Why do we encourage one another? Why do we do this? All the more as you see the day drawing near. As we see the day drawing near. Closer and closer, which every minute of every day, we're getting closer to the return of Christ. He's saying, encourage one, another. gather together for the purpose of remembering the day is coming near. The day is coming near. So why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Why do we long for the mercy he brings when he returns? Because we love Jesus. Because what you saw today in these baptisms, we now have new life in Jesus Christ. We've been saved. He's now our treasure. He's the one we love. He's the one who saved us. And He's the one who's going to return and make a new creation free of sin. And we will spend eternity with Him in perfect joy and perfect peace forever. Isn't that incredible? That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're longing for. And not like hoping, like I hope to win the lottery, but it's not going to happen. But we're hoping, as we expectantly know, it could happen at any moment, and we are waiting for his return. Many of the parables Jesus gives at the end of his, um, towards the end of his life, before he's going to be arrested, are all about waiting, be alert, for the Son of Man will come in an hour that you do not know. So these first three points are the means in which we keep ourselves in the love of God. So if you're a Christian, this is your duty. We read daily, we pray constantly, and we look to Jesus. So many Christians, they, they want to know, why am I not growing in the faith? Why do I not experience the joy like this person and this person? And I would ask you, are you keeping yourself in the love of God? Are you contending for the faith? These are not suggestions, they are commands. This is a description of the Christian life. So he's saying, this is what it means to contend for the faith. You're now a believer. You're in a battle against sin, against false teaching, against all these things that want to lure you away. So this is what you do. You contend for the faith. Be in the word. Pray constantly. Look to to the return of Jesus. And parents, I want to encourage you. Don't expect your kids to read, pray, and look to Jesus if they are not seeing you read, pray, and look to Jesus. One of the most important things you can do to disciple your your children is be in the Word. Be in the Word yourself. Be in the Word with them. Pray by yourself. Pray with them. Talk to them about the gospel. We have many, many resources here as a church that we would love to give you if you would like more help on how to do family worship times at home. Many of you, we have a lot of families leaving this summer for the military. A lot of families. So it's kind of a crazy summer. We've never had so many that are going to be cha- uh, getting new assignments and going to new locations. But I want to encourage you when you look for a new church, don't look for something new and clever. All throughout the New Testament, we're warned about these new teachings, these clever teachings, these eloquent teachings. Look for a te- church that teaches the gospel. Look for a church that encourages you to read, to pray, and to look for the return of Jesus. We don't need smoke on stages. We don't need flash. We don't need flare. What we need is the truth of Jesus Christ preached and encouraged at every level of the Christian life. That's what we need. So I encourage you, as you're looking for a church, and and a lot of that all happens, like what we heard earlier, a lot of that happens on the internet now as we're kind of figuring out where we're going. Look for those who uphold The word of God. And just like Brady, if we didn't open up the Word of God, walk out quietly. No need to like, you know, cause a ruckus. No point to stay in a building that's not gonna preach. We can do that at at the golf club. We can do that anywhere. We gather for the word, we gather because we need the word, we gather because our families and our lives need to be strengthened so that we together would join hands with other brothers and sisters for the purpose of reading, for the purpose of teaching, for the purpose of praying, and for the purpose of being in the word as we look towards the return of Jesus Christ. But there's more to contending for the faith than just that. That's essential for you every single day. But in verses 22 and 23, we see contending for the faith is not only about you, but it's about others as well. This is key, and I would say, you will not do this second part well if you're not doing the first part well. The second part we read in verses 22 to 23 is all about showing mercy to others. There's three commands, verses uh, have mercy, save others, and show mercy all about mercy. What God has done for you, he now wants to do through you. Do you know that? What God has done for you, he now wants to do through you. So he's given you mercy so now you would be his instrument of mercy. He's given you mercy so his mercy would now flow through you into the lives of others. You are God's instrument in which he uses to speak and show the gospel to others. Do you know that? That's who you are as a new creation. God's spirit is in you, strengthening you and conforming you into the image of Jesus. Why? So you would be merciful to others. Isn't that good news? So what do you do when someone has doubts about in the faith? What do you do when someone in the church begins struggling? What do you do when your child has doubts? We don't get angry. We don't run from them. We don't gossip about them. We don't beat them. We show mercy to them. That's what we see. Have mercy on those who doubt. We come alongside them. And what are you going to say if you have not built yourself up in the love of God with the word of God? What are you going to say? you see how these are dependent upon one another? Why I would say that building yourself up or keeping yourself in the love of God is going to be essential for showing mercy to others. What do we do when we see our brother and sister being deceived by false teaching? What do we do when we see Christians stop gathering with the church, stop reading and start practicing different forms of immorality? What often happens is gossip. What often happens is, is we, we slander. What often happens is we watch and we spectate. We go, oh man, that's, I hope something happens. I hope God does something about that. But you are the means in which God uses to do something about that. That's what we have here. Verse 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. The fire refers to judgment, meaning if you don't do something, they're going to go towards judgment. This is what James chapter 5, verse 19 to 20 says. It says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and if someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You and I were called to look out for one another. We we gather on a regular basis so we'd see each other, so we'd know each other, so we would encourage one another, and so we would also... Create times throughout the week where we encourage one another, where we would know when we struggle, where we would be able to share our sins and our struggles and the very things that we need help with. One of the reasons we do table groups, we talk about table groups quite a bit here. Our table groups gather on a weekly basis, kind of as we go into summer, they take a little bit of a break, and we'll, we'll kick them all back off in September. But one of the reasons we do table groups is so we see each other on a regular basis, so that also, when you show up and something seems off, we can go, hey, what, what's going on? How can we pray for you? How can we love you? How can we come alongside you? We want to give mercy to one another. C.T. Studd was a missionary in Africa. This is what he said He said, Some want to live within the sound of church or a chapel bell. He says, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's the call of every Christian. So often, we just want a comfortable life. So often, we just kind of want, I'll just do my own thing. I just attend church, but we don't get involved in the church. I just go to work, but we're not... Trying to share the gospel with others, and yet what we're reminded of here, not only in Jude, and as the missionary C. T. said C. T. Stud said,, is that we're called to reach out to others. We're called to stand in front of the gates of hell and redirect traffic. So people would hear the gospel. So people would experience the mercy of Jesus, because judgment's real. That's Jude's point. All about false teaching. One of his things is, false teachers will experience judgment. So he's calling the church. Don't follow them. You know that path. We have examples all throughout the Old Testament. Saul and Gomorrah, Korah's rebellion, Cain. All of those in the Old Testament, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, are examples. There is a judgment. And all the judgments in the Bible lead us up to the ultimate judgment that will happen when Jesus returns for all who have rejected him. It will be an eternal pouring out of his wrath. And so through the apostle Jude, we're being told, save others, share the gospel, show mercy. And when you see people going towards the fire, snatch them. It's like lifeguards. We see someone going down in the water. We don't don't hope they're going to learn how to swim real quick, right? We jump in after them. Contend for the faith means we keep ourselves in love of God. That's the duty and practice of every believer. But it means we also are fighting for others as well. And I believe, I believe we, we could argue this for both believers and unbelievers. We are to look out for one another, other Christians, so when we start falling into sin, we help one another. But also as we look at the lives of unbelievers around us, we ought to be sharing the gospel with them that they would hear the truth of Jesus so that's, that's the practice of the Christian. Now the practice of the Christian is all to be done on the basis of the promise to the Christian. And I'll say this, if you do not understand this promise, you will not rightly understand the practice of what we've just looked at. Does that make sense? We need to know this promise because ultimately it informs of why and the joy that we have for what we just talked about, the practice. Lots of Peace. Look at verse 24. We all know this one. We could say it by heart. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. What's the reason that you keep yourself in the love of God? What's the reason? Because God keeps you. Do not miss the logic of the argument. We saw this truth all the way back in verse 1. If you go back... Might even, might turn one page to the left. It says, to those who are called beloved in God the Father, and what? Kept for Jesus Christ. The reason you are saved, the reason you stay saved, the reason you will one day stand before Jesus Christ and enter into the new heavens and new earth is because God keeps you. Never, ever, ever. Do we read in Scripture that your salvation decisively falls upon your effort and work? Never. You will not find it ever talked about as you are the decisive means of your salvation. God promises to you that He is the one who keeps you. And and notice why. Why does He keep you? So you'll be presented to His Son Jesus. That's what it means His glory, before the presence of His glory. The glory of God is the very face of Jesus Christ. We read that in 2 Corinthians 4. And notice, does God do this reluctantly? Is He keeping you going, oh man, I guess I have to keep you? Well, maybe not you, but maybe this one. No, He says He does it with great joy. So, so what we need to think is wedding day here. Think wedding day. We got the Father on the wedding day, and He's joyfully walking the bride, His daughter the church, down the aisle, and he's walking her, and she's dressed in brilliant white, white because she's been prepared for this day. She's blameless, without spot or blemish. and He's going to place her hand in the groom's hand, in the hand of Christ, and the Father does this with great joy. That's the picture that we have here. So what is the basis of you keeping yourself? It is because God keeps you. You can be confident in your salvation. You can contend for the faith and keep yourself in the love of God because you know ultimately God keeps you because he's working in you. So he will one day present you to his son Jesus. And we read about that. Revelation 19, the great wedding feast, right? Right? The church will gather together with Christ, with the groom, and we will feast for all of eternity. So that's, that's the promise to the Christian. And now, now we're going to move to the doxology where we get to the praise of the Christian. Because some of you, some of us, we might, we might begin to doubt and, and we might begin to wonder, but, but can he? Can he really keep me? Can he really keep me? And, then, and this is what the doxology is meant to answer. So if we look at verse 25, it says, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So there's doxologies all throughout God's word. And doxologies are really a praise to God. And, and they're not random praises. So this is how a doxology works. Doxologies reveal the attributes of God that account for the action you are praising. I'll repeat it. A doxology reveals the attributes of God that account for the action that you are praising. So, so in context, verse 24, God promises to keep us and present us blameless before the Son. That's the action. What are the attributes that make that action happen? Verse 25 reveals the attributes that brings about the action. Make sense? That's what doxologies do. Doxologies praise for an action and to give the attributes that give that make that happen. So, why can we be confident that God will keep you from stumbling? Or to ask it another way, how is it God will keep you and I in the faith? How will he keep you and I from stumbling? We see it. His everlasting glory, the word glory, refers to all that God is. So, why will you stay in the faith? Because of our God. Everything just goes right back to who our God is. But he's not done, he just piles them up on top of each other because of his everlasting majesty. His majesty refers to his greatness because of his everlasting dominion. Dominion refers to God's might and his rule and his power because of his everlasting authority. God not only has the ability, but he has the right to do and act according to his will. So when he says, I will keep you, he has the power, he has the authority, he has the majesty, and all of that is his glory. He will accomplish his purposes. Is that not a glorious answer? So when you're wrestling, man, can I keep going? Yes. Not because you look inward and look at yourself and go, am I strong enough? But because you look upward. And you go, because my God is glorious and mighty and powerful and everlasting in authority. There is no God like our God. There's no one that compares to our God. Or as Job 42 Verse 2 says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. This doxology is meant to fill our heart with joy, with comfort, with peace. So every day you wake up, this doxology is to be the song of your heart, and it's what invites you into his word. It's what invites you into living the Christian life. Because you think, how does God's glory, majesty, dominion, and authority work? It works through the reading of his word. It works through the praying in the spirit. It works through the looking uh, to the return of Christ. And it works through the showing of mercy to others. God keeps you through the very commands that he gives you. Does that make sense? So you want to know, well, how does God keep me? Well, he's given me his word that I would know how to live. And it's his spirit that works in me, that strengthens me and gives me the grace to obey his word. That was I think that was the last sermon that we looked at in Hebrews on how the grace of God works through the obedience of his word. You read, you obey, you look to Jesus and show mercy to others because God keeps you in the faith. Those are not things you do as you work yourself up the ladder of righteousness, thinking that you are going to get God to notice you or you are going to earn any favor from God. Everything about the Christian life is grace. He even gives you and I grace to obey the commands that he calls us to obey, which is why he is the one ultimately who keeps us in the faith. But when we come to the cross, we see that Jesus has paid the price for our sins. We see that he has fully paid the price, that he has suffered the wrath of God for us, and his grace will come to us each and every single day, strengthening you to now live the new life in Christ. That's what the baptism shows. Our old self has died. We are now new in Christ, and God gives you grace every day. And when you doubt You look back to the cross of Jesus because it's through the cross that your sins have been paid for you've been given a new life and that it's through the cross all of God's grace has been guaranteed to you who believe in Jesus do you know that truth if you've not yet trusted in Jesus I urge you to do so today there is nothing that compares with the salvation he offers He gives you grace that you would believe. He gives you grace that you would be saved. He gives you grace that you would then live a new Christian life, and that grace comes to you every single day. Amen Amen, indeed. And if you are saved, I pray you're reminded today of his promises. I pray you're reminded this is what the Christian life looks like. And again, it's not a ladder that we climb. We're not earning anything by doing this. We're living out the very grace that he has given us so that we would keep ourselves in the love of God because ultimately he keeps us and he does it with joy. He's keeping you through the reading of the word, through prayer, through looking to his return, showing mercy to others. With great joy he does those things so that one day he will hold your hand with the whole church walking down the aisle and present you to his son Jesus blameless without spot or blemish that's the invitation he gives us every day to be in the word and to live out the christian life is that wedding day is coming so jude gives us a picture of the new transformed life in christ and so i pray that we live that out i'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion which celebrates the grace of gospel of jesus father We thank you for this morning. We thank you for baptisms. We thank you for the book of Jude. We thank you that we do not need to be fearful of false teaching. We do not need to be fearful of the pressures of the world that we live in. We thank you that we do not have to rely upon our strength and our power as a means of keeping ourselves in the faith. But Lord, ultimately, we rely upon you that you keep us in the faith. And you do it with great joy. And you do it through your commands and your word so that one day we will stand before your son, Jesus Christ. And with great glory, we will be presented to him and we will live with you and him for all of eternity. God, we praise you. In your name, Jesus, amen.